0: Hey, John. What? That would have been a great show if it had actually recorded. You're kidding me. I'm not kidding you. We're still on the stream, by the way.
1: Huh. Well, maybe somebody out there recorded
0: it. That's why I'm still on the stream. I hope to God someone recorded this show. I can't well, believe it. Well, you'll I can- find out shortly. I that's can- pretty funny. No, it's, that's like par for the course for today.
1: Yeah, well, it sounds like it. Well, maybe somebody recorded it and we can run the recording. Uh, I knew this would happen eventually.
0: Oh my god, I feel like such a douchebag. Ah, okay. Nerdy dude says he has it recorded sending it. Oh my god, I love you. <sighs> Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It's December 16, 2009. Time for Gitmo Nation Media Assassination, Episode 157. This is No Agenda. Scanning the C-SPAN transmissions for the real news because we can, and coming to you from the minimum security containment cell, crackpot command center in Gitmo Nation, West San Francisco, California. In the morning,
1: I'm Adam Curry, and from Northern Silicon Valley, where I thought it was the 16th last week, I'm John C. Dvorak.
2: Craig
0: Lott and Buzzkill. In the morning. now you're going to try and look all smug and stuff. We all smug. About what? About what? <laughs> that I messed up the date on the last show.
1: Oh, you did? Oh, yeah, really? You think?
0: Uh. <laughs> morning to you, John. Morning, everybody on the stream and uh, in the chat room. Noagendastream.com and uh, noagendachat.com. For those of you who don't know, we do this show live twice a week. Usually around nine o'clock Pacific Standard Time, Gitmo Nation West. A little bit late today. Uh, my apologies for the early service. But even uh, even the holy men have uh, have some other. You know, I had to had to have a chat with God this morning.
1: We have an executive producer this week. Good. Who we got? Who we got rolling on EP? Well, we have our old buddy Stephen Pelsmacher. Oh, uh, that's uh, our Dutch friend, is he not? Uh, Belgian. Belgian, right. Cool. Uh, he uh, decided to give us a uh, $200.90. Of course, the $0.90 cents is a let's make a deal uh, number just in case. Okay, some,
0: just in case someone else came in, right. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Thank you very much, Steve. Is that the only executive producer?
1: Yeah. And okay. uh, and he, he he says, because I, I've made the valiant effort to pronounce his name, pronounce his name properly,
0: then you're doing a very good job, Stephen. Congratulations! You are the executive producer of No Agenda episode 157. Please feel free to put that on your resume. Use us as a reference. It's uh, it really does look good as a credit, uh, right uh, underneath uh, Candy Striper. <laughs> uh, but seriously, you know uh, people take note of this stuff, and they know what it means. It means that you uh, that you're in media and. Uh, and you've got a clue. So congratulations, and we appreciate the support. It's always good to have uh, a recurring executive producer on the show.
1: So uh, there's a bunch of interesting news this week. In fact, it's like all over the map. Much
0: yeah, I, so, I, 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 I agree. Um, and I'm, I'm sure you're going to roll right into it. Maybe I can help you because I've already seen the clips.
1: Well, this was not. I don't have any clips, but okay. the uh, this is not a clip related. But there's a uh, there's a new boing boing cover. This uh, Corey Doctorow, if anybody doesn't know, is a uh, a writer who is kind of caught up to an extreme with copyright law. Yeah, uh, he thinks some scamish aspects to it and he doesn't lack especially uh, the fair use and uh public domain
0: is he is he a proponent of the creative commons copyright license yeah
1: he's one of those guys and he's also a, you know, kind of a proponent of you know public domain being what it used to be not what it is now which is non-existent
0: Thanks to the Disney Corporation.
1: Well, Disney was one of them, but everybody jumped on this bandwagon. And now the latest thing, and, and you can read about this here and there, is that apparently Canada uh, is being browbeaten by the EU to adopt some screwball measures that are going to change Canadian copyright law to such an extreme that th- there's actually a provision for the most ludicrous uh, Aspect to the, you're taking these things to an extreme. If I have a copy written book, by the way, there's some aspect of this which is, in other words, if you create content like we do here on this show, you know, a it becomes uh, something you can use it as a commodity. You can just buy it and sell it. But let's say I sell you a, uh, I'm a book store and I sell you a book. Yeah. Um, whatever it then is. And
0: that, that book Atlas should be. Shrugged. Yes. Oh, what a, what a fine idea, John. That book actually should be, uh. So I sell you Dr. Atlas. Atlas Shrugged.
1: Oh, we're early. Man. Early in the show. I just want to get this out of the way. Okay. So I sell you now. If you resell the book. Uh, it's my property to resell. No. What? It's now you have to track down the copyright owner and give them a royalty on the sale. This is you're right this this this
0: started with music first where you weren't and and I remember this conversation when um, when DRM and mp3s came out and it was all about you know okay, look, if I buy a CD, and uh, I play that CD to my heart's content and then I take it to a swap meet and I uh, or if I just decide I want to give it away or if I want to sell it for a buck, then it, it's my property. I bought it and I remember with digital we slew slew slyly kind of moved towards that direction of, well, you know, you don't actually own it, you're kind of just renting it, and everyone kind of glossed over it, and, you know, hey, this, who cared, right? We had the shit on our iPod, and we were playing it, and we weren't thinking about that, but even with the digital, you could not resell that song.
1: This all began in the 70s. Oh. Late 70s, well, actually. I, I, probably, was, I was very young then, John. The, um, this began with a uh, software uh, uh, entrepreneur named Seymour Rubenstein. Seymour Rubinstein who uh, was the uh, purveyor of WordStar among other products had developed a very interesting ironclad uh, licensing agreement and I've talked to Seymour about this over the years and he always believed that in some day in the distant not too distant future or distant future everything would be licensed including books and television shows that you watch hmm. uh so you can't copy them you can't because you're licensed it and you may, maybe you can make one backup for personal use, which they're always fighting against that too. By the way. Mm-hmm. So the idea of everything being licensed evolved into the shrink wrap license, which became law.
0: Which is that? By, which is that uh, terms of service license that when you open up uh, a CD, it used to be floppies. But it's the end user it. agreement yeah, that user, is on right, uh, right. It's
1: a piece of paper. When you rip open the uh, package, you have <laughs> you agreed. have
0: accepted it. Yes, you are now <laughs> you are now By under way, contract.
1: I always get a. I always say, have your thirteen year old kid open it. Because they're not bound by these same uh, legal restrictions. Anyway, like that's going to help. An interesting anyway, John C. Dvorak tip. The John C. Dvorak tip of the day. So the uh, this evolved into uh, the terms of service agreements that are on websites. And, of course, uh, the phone rings right now, yeah. and which I'm going to go hang up. But, uh, the terms of service agreement became law, legally binding. So I, in fact, if you go to org slash blog and look at the terms of service there, you'll find one of the more interesting ones because I have all kinds of weird stuff in there, which is all legal. Hmm. And Because, because I'm actually
0: reading your website, I am bound by the terms of your legal agreement.
1: Yes which means you can't really do, you know. I, I, and the great, crazy thing about the terms of service on the uh, on the uh, websites is that most of them say, and this is legal too, most of them say that I can change this on the fly, and you're bound. By the changes. By the changes, even though you didn't agree to them in the first place. Where do I find
0: your terms of service, John, while you're I'm explaining add, this? Uh,
1: I think you can go to slash blog slash TOS. I'm not sure. I'll I'll, I'll go look I it wanted up. I want it in the show notes, yeah. Good. I'm putting the show notes. But anyway, so that's evolved into, you know, it just gets more and more onerous and nobody seems to complain about it. And so the next thing you know, we've got the situation evolving where you, you really don't won't have ownership of anything. And you might as well take it to an extreme, <laughs> just license your furniture.
0: You know, I, I, I should, uh, we should make no agenda underwear where uh, there's a whole license agreement. By opening, uh, this, uh, by opening this underwear, you are bound by the following terms of service. And, we, and you could give it to your woman. <laughs>
1: yeah. right you got sexual requirements in there by the way
0: yes of course
1: <laughs> no one's done that yet but uh, anyway the whole thing is a fiasco and so the canadians apparently i don't know what what the point of this is or why they're doing this but the, there's a lot of uh, uh stories about the canadians capitulating to various demands by the u.s and the eu regarding uh, the canadian copyright laws which are somewhat different than everybody else's. Uh, I don't know what the deal is. I do know this, that we, we, we get very few don- donations from Canada. We got none this week.
0: Well, this, of course, is all probably in the ramp up to the ACTA, which we started talking about two years ago. This is the uh, the global copyright agreement which is so important to our national security that the obama administration will not release any information about it some bits and pieces have trickled through and we pretty much know that there's going to be a global three strikes you're out law, uh for downloading copyrighted material without permission or payment uh over the internet um but uh you know, I, I think most of that is really just a, a precursor to censorship, which, by the way, this week was completely uh, rolled out in Australia. So, uh, you know, uh, just a matter of time before uh, we'll get no no donations from Australia either, because I'm sure we'll, we will be outlawed. Well,
1: well, we got none this week. Well, there you go. It's
0: <laughs> it works. Yay!
3: Really, well, you we know, nothing the idea is
1: that if you can create these these... These barriers uh, with copyright law against public domain and everything else in between, and, and ownership of uh, of books and information, uh, you can at some point you just you you stop the flow of uncontrolled information. In other words, you you just the only people that would be doling out information would be government agencies and public relations firms, and you know which, other which is pretty much
0: what what mainstream news is today. PR firms send out. Uh, a press release, a journalist picks that up, rewrite or uh, let's say a newswire picks that up usually. Uh, there may be a little bit of a rewrite and they'll pull some quotes. you know so these are quotes that are come dire- come directly from the from the news release. And once in a while there's a journalist that will call the uh, the organization directly and get a you know a personal quote. but yeah, that's that's pretty much the way it is. and it will be the Ministry of Truth who is giving you your news and your information totally.
1: I was once had a meeting with some public relations professional who uh, was the only one that was just pretty honest about it, and she says, "You know, as far as I'm concerned, uh, we provide all the news for the public, and, and all you guys do is just, just uh, regurgitate it." Copy. Well, in
0: in France now, uh, you know, we've been talking about the newspaper bailouts. Uh, Sarkozy, Le Pre- el presidente, uh, has implemented a plan. That starts this fall. So, or actually, started this fall, I should say, uh, giving every 18 to 24 year old uh, citizen of Gitmo Nation France, Gitmo Nation Baguette, a one year subscription free to the newspaper of their choice. And uh, you know, they say it's to stimulate people reading news, but uh, if you follow along with the uh, with the Waxman proposal in the U.S. House which would be for uh, tax breaks and other subsidies of newspapers and then we have Gitmo Nation Lowlands where they're actually subsidizing 60 young journalists and there's been many reports of uh there was oh man I should look that up and I should actually translate it there was a journalist in the Netherlands who we've not heard from since I might mention <laughs> who said uh yeah, you know, uh, this is actually how it works and I have a meeting and and he actually took pictures of the secret meeting room in the courthouse uh, where he would meet with government officials and they would tell him what to write about either certain uh legal cases or or different uh topics of uh of interest. I mean, this is and this has been going on for a long time ever since was it was it Roosevelt who um who thanked all of the journalists from Time Magazine, etc uh you know he he met with them you know, basically bilderbergers who do this as well the, in the, the bilderberg meetings there's all kinds of editors from top publications who were invited to this, and they never report on it, you know, because that's basically where they set the agenda and discuss what will and will not be printed and made public to the... You know,
1: this used to happen with Microsoft. Microsoft used to have these meetings at 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 one of their buildings on the Hood Canal. It used to be called the yearly Hood Canal meeting. And uh, they would invite the top writers in the Washington Post, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal... And you know, mostly mainstream media publications, and they they take him out, and they you know, of course, these guys all have these requirements that they can't take more than twenty dollars in gifts and all the rest of it. Meanwhile, they get a, you, know, a, you know an audience with the Gates bomber and the rest of them, along with a you know an overnight stay, which is supposed to be somehow reimbursed the company for. It's a scam, and they listen to the propaganda over it, but then they never report on that itself. It's nondisclosed because the, the corruption of the non-disclosure... Agreement, you know, is permeated all of the media. So they sign off that they can't say anything, and you know, meanwhile, I found I, I was never invited. To these, by the way, yeah, no, because I, yeah, you I did, don't, you I declined. won't sign a non-disclosure. Yeah, right. I don't sign a non-disclosure if I'm like, you know, if I'm a board member of some corporation, but I'm not. But I won't sign a non-disclosure as a journalist. I mean, it just doesn't, I mean, it just seems unethical. I mean, everyone bitches and moans about the fact that I go out to expensive dinners, but they sign non-disclosures. I mean, it seems that that's the, the problem. Anyway, they, uh, so everyone, I, but somebody told me all the details, and then, of course, I wrote it up in one of the columns, and that was the end of it. It killed the meetings.
0: Yeah, but, but, but let's not underestimate what a dinner can mean. Uh, a little closer to home, just uh, two nights ago, one of our uh, investment firms, uh, you know, outstanding investment firm who really has Four major investments in media. They put together uh, an evening at a uh, at a great restaurant here in the city. I'm going to look up the name of it because uh, we actually, you, I'm sure you've been there. Um, and they so they invited the founders of uh, what was it? Uh, hold on a second. Let me just, let me find the name of this place. It was uh, Perbaco? <laughs> Perbaco? Perbaco? Perbacco.
1: Perbacco. Perbacco.
0: Perbacco. P e r b a c c o. Perbacco.
1: I never been there.
0: Mm. A nice restaurant. They had a huge long table, private room, and they and they got to come the uh reporters from Time Magazine, New York Times, Bloomberg. Had a great talk with a Bloomberg guy by the way. Um uh, you just you know a uh, USA Yeah, but are staged. Do actually these are staged. But bear with me. Still I can see that that yes you know, it's a staged event, but you know, it was a nice dinner. They were treated well, great food, great wine. If you if you want to keep getting the free dinners as a starving journalist, you're not going to really slam somebody. You just not. You may be critical. You may have a certain no. Angle. I, I'm
1: not going to argue the point. Now I go out to expensive dinners, but I don't go to these group meetings. A and B. I only go to gossip, and um, with people who like to. Tell tales out of class about their competition, mostly. But the uh, but the point is is that I'm making is that there's a corrupt factor that's you know it's all over the place. It has to be taken into account. But nothing to me is more corrupt than the non-disclosure agreement, where right. where somebody signs off on saying that they never had this meeting or they can't say they went to the thing.
0: Yeah, as, as a journalist, I would say that's that's pretty much against and the it's, entire concept. Is standard concept. operating procedure. Wow. Well, based upon that, I think we can uh, definitely uh, make a choice between, I have at least three today, for the, the distraction of
4: the week, hey. on the Look over there.
0: So I'd have to say there were three main news events, all of which could have been deemed or can be deemed as the, the media distraction of the week. Um, I'll start with, and this just blew me away. Actually, the Bloomberg guy who I had dinner with told me about this and I hadn't heard about it. He knew nothing about Copenhagen, but he knew about this Bloomberg. What? He uh, knew nothing about Copenhagen? Very little. He, <laughs> didn't, he really very, very little. I I was amazed and I was telling him a few things like, hey, you know, actually, I I think I went a little overboard. (laughs) He was like, I have to go home and Google some stuff right now. I'll see you later. Um, About uh, another set of White House party crashers. Yeah. Uh, And I was amazed by this. I'm like, wow, these guys, you know, they were so desperate to cover up uh, what I and I actually have a clip of that to cover up the one point two trillion dollar spending bill that was rammed through the House. One point, let me just repeat that. $1.2 trillion. And here we are talking about Medicare for weeks on end, which is about, you know, it's less than that, but about the same amount as proposed. But no one, as far as I can tell, reported on this. And there was some real discussion going on, some angry uh, congressmen and women.
1: There's a lot of pork in this thing, too, I understand.
0: Oh, no kidding. Um, and Where I'm are we th- getting this money? Well, hold on a second. Before we get to that, um, I, I, the only thing I could think to myself is, wow, they were so desperate to distract the attention that they said, fuck it. You know, that that party crasher thing worked. D- do that one again. Pull that one out quick. Let's do it.
1: Then, of course, there's uh, Silvio Berlusconi. By, by the way, in the party crasher thing, mm-hmm. I watched one of the congressional hearings on that. Mm-hmm. And it's a scam, obviously, because the White House won't even send their uh, social people that you know, are supposed to monitor e- the stuff. Under
0: executive privilege, the social it, secretary does not have to speak under the executive privilege, privilege clause. Yeah, so the
1: whole thing is either a scam or, or there's something else going on. Gee, you think, John? Well, you know, the other thing that might be going on, by, based on your theories... Is the possibility that they're going to keep doing this that he's going to have these 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 people getting close to the president at the drop of a hat as a message from the CIA to, to tell Obama that, you know, he's, he's got no protection.
0: Well, this is the way, of course, it's being perceived uh, in two ways. Many people are scared, saying, wow, you know, that what, our president is unprotected. And others are saying, hey, if you he can't even if we can't even protect the president, how can we protect the country? You know that meme uh, was also discussed at the table. Now, of course, we have a mantra. We have an entire uh, formula for this program, not to be taken literally. Our formula is this: we go out, we hit people in the mouth. So, uh, Gitmo Nation Italia was listening. <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, I know this is a great distraction, but this is more of a European distraction. I don't think Americans paid much attention to it.
0: No, not at all, because no one. I mean, Italy is so engrossed with their prime minister, Silvio Berlusconi, who's one of the richest men in the world. He owns all of the media. Literally, he owns the media. So he has a complete lockdown. My sister who lives there, Willow. Uh, who is a contributor to the program, says, uh, you know, I have a theory, uh, don't look over here theory, says, up until Sunday, the main news in Italy was that a pentito, which is uh, a mafia turncoat, had accused Berlusconi and Del Utri, which is one of his jabronis, (laughs) of uh, having very serious mafia connections, specifically when they entered politics in 93, when they founded uh, the Forza Italia political party. So this was the top of the news. You know, people are really focusing in, and they've been trying to get a, to nail Berlusconi for a long time. And you know, with with uh, illegal uh, campaign contributions, and then all of a sudden he changes the law so that that is uh, outside the statute of limitations. So he's been real
1: slippery. Yeah, it's he's the, been fantastically slick.
0: Yeah, he's the he's the Teflon uh, Prime Minister. So this is top of the news, and then all of a sudden, boom, we get some crazy guy who uh, who threw a statue. Uh, a, a miniature statue, and I have the footage. I put it in the the show notes at NoAgendaShow dot com. It's very violent, you know, because most of, most of the media, you know, has kind of like a bunch of people. You don't really see it, but there was this, I was watching. I think it was Rai Uno, um, and I got a clip from there. And you see the guy. I mean, he throws this thing hard. I mean, it busted his teeth. I mean, it really, really hit him. So it's it's quite a way to go for a media distraction. <laughs> I would think <laughs> but I think mean, you know, like a pie would have been better. <clears throat> well maybe they said, you know, pie he's like, "What? Statue?" <laughs> Who knows. Anyway, uh our uh, our listener there in in Italy Willow asserts that uh, she says, "Oh, here's what's going to happen." Uh, he's going to go to the hospital. He's going to go to the guy's parents' house and he'll do a whole emotional show of how he forgives him because of course he's mentally ill and the media will be all over it to capture it. And then he'll be Mr. Good Guy again, you know, turn the other cheek as it were. So there was that distraction. Which, uh. Yeah, that's a gem
1: if, if it's, if, especially if it's, if it's orchestrated.
0: Well, again, it's, it's quite a ways to go, but, you know, these guys will go to any, to any number of desperate measures. Berlusconi is the hero of hookers and blow. I mean, this is, this is, this guy is all about that. He's a party animal. And we had the Sarkozy call him up and, I'm sorry, uh, Putin call him up and say, hey man, you're real macho. You really stood up to that. You know, and of course Putin is the guy who has official pictures taken of himself riding bareback bare-chested on a on a horse on, yeah. a, on a wild stallion you know <laughs> while he's hunting he's hunting for elephants or whatever <laughs> and the, and then the final one which completely blew me away because you know what ha- is happening today John today uh in the Senate Finance uh committee after the uh the hearings in the Senate, the Senate Finance Committee will vote to decide if Ben Bernanke, uh, should be, uh, reelected as the chairman of the Federal Reserve. And yeah. what, and what happens just, just, just one day before all of this, Ben Bernanke is announced as the person of the year on for, on, for Time Magazine, which used to be known as the man of the year, is now the person of the year. And, uh, if this isn't a, an orchestrated, perfectly uh, laid out plan, then I don't know what is. Of course, it makes total sense because Ben Bernanke, you know, look at the other choices. We could have chosen Obama, which would have been a very logical choice. I mean, you got a Nobel Peace Prize. You might as well throw him up on the you cover. You could have of chosen time.
1: Michelle.
0: Michelle would have been an excellent choice. I mean, there's plenty of people. Uh, you could have chosen, uh, posthumously. Here's something you could have done. You could have put 3,000 faces on the cover of all of our servicemen and women who have died, uh, in my humble opinion, in vain uh fighting foreign wars which are senseless and that would have been good. That would have been a really good one, you know, one of those big collages. Uh but no, of course they choose the actual boss, the actual ruler, he is Obama's boss. They choose Ben Bernanke and put him on the cover. It's that's just unbelievable as as a move that's all that people are talking about and you probably will only hear somewhere next week just before christmas when no one's really paying any attention oh he was reinstated and uh congratulations uh business as usual
1: well the guy going after him is bernie sanders of vermont and uh Bernie's not a guy that we would agree with on most topics, but he's really irked about this Bernanke guy. So he gave, he did a big press conference, and, uh, he brought a bunch of people out to, to moan and groan, and I have a clip from, uh, one of the people he brought out was a professor. Who, uh, is a, a professor of economics and, uh, law, and I think he's at the University of Missouri. I'm not, I don't absolutely, but anyway, he just blasts Bernanke. You can play pieces of it if you want, but he blasts him for like, it's just, it's just a broadside that is like, when you listen to this, you go, why is this guy in this, in this office at all? It's, and you know, he's, you know,
0: well, you, well, you, you will recall we played the 13, 14 minute clip, uh, I believe that was two episodes ago of his confirmation hearings where he was blasted uh, in the uh, in the in the committee on C-SPAN. Yeah. Uh, as, is... as the guy responsible for everything. Yeah. And horrible, yeah no, horrible, he
1: agrees guy. with that, even though he's starting to hear a meme that he saved it. Oh, he, he brought us back he's... from the
0: precipice.
1: Yeah, we would, have been, we would have been, you know, nothing has improved, by the way. Unemployment is still going up. Uh, people are dropping off the unemployment roll so the numbers are really bogus now, but they're extremely high. Business is not good. People are not getting loans. Nothing has improved. One iota, and we don't know for a fact, because there's no way of doing a double-blind study, that if he had done, let these big companies fail, the ones that are too big to fail, just let them go bankrupt. You know, companies go bankrupt all the time. Airlines go bankrupt, and they stay in business. It's not like... They, they disappear off the face of the earth, but they go through a process, a normal process. But you, by bailing all these guys out, it's created a, probably worsened the situation.
0: Did you have a chance to read the Rolling Stone article that I posted Not in the yet, show notes no. from last week? You must read this because then you will see how um, the Obama administration carefully orchestrated people going in and out uh, in order to facilitate this huge bailout, which... it. Of course is just a setup so everyone gets some money go up buy it buy some real assets buy some land in Paraguay buy uh, some airplanes and boats and buy your house because you'll be bankrupt and uh, and then get ready for the final collapse which is imminent and is uh, is probably three years out and you know well let's play this professor's clip first and then I want I want I want people to hear what's happening in uh, in Congress in, in the house. With uh, this $1.2 trillion that was spent that no one is talking about. Uh, so here's the professor.
4: Uh, let me introduce uh, Professor uh, Bill Black. Bill, you want to come up? I've been asked to be very brief to give you more time for questions, so I'm going to concentrate only on the regulatory side. First thing that you need to know is that the Fed was unique. It had authority under an act called HOEPA during this entire time period to regulate and prevent the subprime lending by otherwise unregulated entities. These are the mortgage bankers primarily that made 80% of the nonprime loans. The Fed under Greenspan and under Bernanke refused to use that authority. And it refused to use that authority even though the FBI warned publicly in congressional testimony, beginning in September 2004, that there was a, quote, epidemic, unquote, of mortgage fraud developing, and predicted it would produce a financial crisis unless it was prevented. And Bernanke's colleague on the Fed, Ned Gramlich, personally warned that there was a housing bubble of immense proportions developing and that there were extraordinary problems in subprime lending and that the examiners needed to be sent in. And this is what the senator was just talking about. There was never a disagreement on substance between Greenspan and Bernanke. They were the twins on these issues. They refused to send in the examiners. They refused to use their authority under the statute.
0: Shouldn't that be enough for people to understand that this is uh, intentional and that it's set up and... I think we just might want to remind people that the Federal Reserve, even though it has, and we've said this so many times, even though it it has a governmental sounding name, that it is a uh, a group, a, a conglomerate, a cabal. It's a profit make. I think it, it's. I think it actually is a for profit organization that is made up of private banks, and yeah. they have uh, groups of banks. Groups of banks, and and by the way, an unpublished list. They don't even. They're not even transparent enough to let us know who actually are in this cabal. Um, And their entire job is to make money. And the way you make money, people just kind of can't understand. And we don't have time on this show to get into it. I don't think we could even explain it. But there's plenty of YouTube videos, videos out there that do a pretty good job. Is that when a bank lends you money. So, if a bank, if a bank gives you, John C. Dvorak, um, a mortgage for $100,000, um, which about, pretty much about covers the value of your home, as I've seen it, um, they actually then, on their books, can create, it's, it's an asset. They can then lend out another, uh, $900,000 to other people. And this is how the system works. And because it's a closed loop, all of these banks communicate through the central bank, which is the Federal Reserve. In other countries, it's called the central bank, but that's exactly what it is. Uh, this is how they control the entire financial system. And this is what, you know, is, is not taught in school, obviously, uh, for, for very good reason because, ooh, boy, no one would want to catch on to their scam. Uh, but this is this is how it works, and and they've enriched themselves and their friends, and they've all been in positions of bankers. So uh, Bernanke was uh, the CEO of Goldman Sachs. You know who's winning right now? Who is doing fantastically well? Goldman Sachs. You know you you can look at it however you want, but coincidence? I think not. It's just not. The, you have to understand, in general, in principle, all people are very good, and all people can be very bad. And sometimes the bad just overshadows the rest. And it's a cycle. The bad is now in power. Do you want to do more of this,
1: uh, Professor? Yeah, yeah, he's got another point that's even more interesting. Go forward in time.
4: It is, I think, no secret that the Chamber of Commerce is not exactly a friend of the Obama administration. And the president has just said that he wasn't elected to represent fat cat bankers. Well, Ben Bernanke is the person who delivered for the fat cat bankers in the form of the ABA, the American Bankers Association.
0: Wow. That's the link you sent me, right, about the American Banker Association? Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second.
4: And for the Chamber of Commerce. Because what they desperately wanted and what Ben Bernanke signaled approval for Picking up even their talking points in the language he used was to gut the accounting rules this year. And so now banks don't have to recognize losses. Hmm. So what do they do? They report that they're highly profitable, and that produces immense executive bonuses. We have lied at the behest of entities that are completely repugnant to the administration, supposedly, and yet the administration seeks to reappoint. There you Thank go, yeah, good.
0: Yeah, that, that is fascinating because uh, the article you sent me, uh, John, and that's actually listed for those, because the links are so long, that's actually um, uh, listed under the Dvorak links heading in the show notes at noagendashow.com uh, called Naming the Enemy, where the national people's action who uh, I guess every every spring they go out and they organize and they go protest something. You know, th- these are very smart, smart protesters because while everyone is looking at, you know, people like Ken uh, – what's his name? Uh, what's the Citibank guy? Um,
1: yeah, the Citibank guy.
0: Uh, Ken Lewis. You know, and everyone's – and the media distraction is about the golden toilets – <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that's that's actually, that really is gutter journalism. So everyone's talking about, you know, the, the bankers pooping on gold toilets. The true evil uh, is, is being... Uh, 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 ignored. The, well, yeah, the true evil is being ignored. That would be the American Bankers Association. In particular, a guy named Ed Yingling... And so now they're going to protest on his uh, front lawn, which is appropriate.
1: And you have, which to- is why, by the way, the Goldman Sachs, which is also received, Goldman Sachs had a big, almost many Goldman Sachs executives are being targeted by these, these. Uh, which these is why,
0: riots. which is why they've all registered handguns.
1: Yeah, they're all they're they armed to the teeth because they think they're, they're, their houses are going to be stormed. And by the way. It's always a possibility. I would be armed to the teeth, too, if I was a Goldman Sachs guy. I'd have more than a few handguns and a couple of shotguns, and I'd have a bunch of security guards around my place, and I wouldn't let the kids go out alone.
0: You know, I got a, a quick note from one of our producers, uh, Amon, and uh, he said, so I'm at work eight miles away from the Miramar base. I just saw two transport helicopters, Chinooks, Three F-15s, a stealth bomber, and an AC-130 fly overhead. My guess is they came up from Camp Pendleton on the way to the Miramar base. There is a tremendous amount, and there's lots of reports about this, a tremendous amount of troop movements in the United States, in particular in the Republic of California. And there are many out there, and I, I, unfortunately I have to subscribe to it, that are thinking that you know there is an actual worry uh, amongst the government unreported that we could get some form of real public disorder because people are really hungry and pissed off.
1: Yeah, well, that's been going on for a while. You know, the public is pissed off, but they, they're not, you know, the problem is that people that, that have orchestrated demonstrations tend to be socialists, just straight up. And, uh, they don't have, they don't get a good response from the public at large, uh, because when you start digging around, you find they're always part of the world's worker party, which really wants to overthrow the government completely and replace it with a Hugo Chavez character and that kind of thing. Um... So it doesn't, we, you know, we've managed to divide and conquer, and I've been watching a couple different left-wingers now, and listening to their complaints about things, and, the, and if you go to the complete right-wing, to the Tea Party folks, and then you go to the left-wing, to the, you know, the, the progressives, the most left-wing of the progressives, they actually, if you start listening to them, they they're both have the same complaint. Yeah it's almost identical except for the the stuff the middling things the stuff in the middle there's a bunch of stuff in the middle that they disagree on completely but well, the, the stuff the big picture stuff the big economic issues the corruption and all this kind of thing they're in total agreement with amazing to me but they've got it. we've got a divide and conquer approach that's been beautifully executed and these two groups never talk to each other and if they do they they're throwing fists because they're throwing fists over you know abortion rights or right to life or some of these you know crazy things in the middle that really are separating the, the two groups so that you come up with you know climate's another one the, the yeah. progressive far left they're big believers in the climate thing and the ones on the right Hate. Them. They think it's bogus, but they both agree that cap and trade is bad. But they can't just get together on this. I find it fascinating that we have this dichotomous, and it's, it's, and it's set up by the by the right wing uh, uh, ideologues, and I'll put Rush Limbaugh in that group, who have a checklist, and there the, they have a checklist of what you have to believe in as a conservative. And this checklist is extremely rigid, which is very unconservative-like if you think about it. It's extremely rigid. You have to, and if you're not part of it, you're you're a right. No, a Republican in name only or some other, you know, some other, uh, you know, moniker thrown at you to to indicate you're less than a, you know,
2: I, I,
0: I would have to make make no make no mistake. Rush Limbaugh is on board with the program. I mean, he's he's part of the divide and conquer or what is often called the left right paradigm where you just have people fighting over stuff all the time. And meanwhile, it's business as usual, and the stealing and the corruption continues. And this is not unique to the United States. I th- <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty well, it's much everywhere. It's trick. It yeah. goes way back. So do you want to hear a, a little bit of um, uh, Representative John Culberson? Uh, and it was, it was interesting because I got this new iPhone app, uh, the C-SPAN iPhone app. I'm so happy with this. All they need is a little record button. Oh my God. That would be perfect. So you can get C-SPAN 1, C-SPAN 2, and then C-SPAN radio. So I'm listening, uh, yesterday morning as I'm shaving, it's like, you know, it's like 8.30. And of course it's lit later on the East Coast and I hear this guy go off. I'm like, holy crap. And I have to say, oh, thank God for C-SPAN. So I went to the website and the entire 10 hours of debate over this 1.2 trillion dollar spending bill which is disguised as salaries and clothing for our troops fighting wars overseas but there's a whole bunch of you know all of a sudden there's, there's like all kinds of other things in there you know i read through the bill of course because you can now you can download it but uh, that wasn't the case when they started this uh When they started this debate, in fact, it was completely the opposite of the transparency that the Obama administration promised us. And uh, this is not quite as long as your professor clip. It's a little long. But listen to this guy go off, telling it straight up as it is. Forget about what's in the bill. Just listen to how our representatives are working and what they have to do and what it's related to.
4: One of the most fiscally conservative members of the House, Mr. Culberson.
3: How much time does the gentleman yield? Uh, uh, such time as he may consume. Yeah, Thank you. Ma- ma- the gentleman from Texas is recognized.
5: Take it all, Thank Johnny. you, Madam Speaker. Let us just slow down for just a minute and think about what is happening here today. The House is scheduled to vote today on a package of four massive bills, spending over 1.1 trillion hard-earned tax dollars. Which of course is not true because we don't actually have the money, but that's aside. That will be paid for by additional debt that our children must repay. Worst of all, these bills were only posted on the internet last night for the American people to see about eleven o'clock. So literally uh thirteen hours for the public, for the taxpayers, for the members of Congress to read these bills. Spending over one thousand one hundred trillion dollars. Interesting, he
0: he misspeaks there because it would be one thousand one 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 hundred billion dollars, not trillion. uh... But you remember what the promise was, don't you, John? The promise. Yeah. Everything
1: would be posted for a few days or whatever. Two hours.
5: Yeah. So he he brings this up correctly. And I've scouted around, uh, Madam Speaker. I've scouted around, uh, Madam Speaker, and there, the only copy of the bill before us, the defense bill that anybody can find, is the one up there. On the clerk's desk. These bills were put up on the internet 13 hours ago. They're not even outside in the House lobby. And it's always tradition at an absolute minimum that members of Congress would be able to physically read the bill outside in the lobby. But this is all I found. So, so, so let me, so he holds up an empty cardboard box. So let me
0: just reiterate what's happening here. That Congress is debating a bill which includes all kinds of new additions, all, which is known as pork. It's all been put into this bill, which the members of the House who are about to debate this and subsequently vote on it have not been able to read. It has been withheld from them.
5: This empty box outside the lobby is all we have before us today. $1,100 trillion spent in a little over 12 hours. Why the rush? Why? Now, this is
0: the good one. So, of course, the question is, why do we have to do this? You know, this is a lot of money. Uh, it's very important because it is about supplying our, our troops. Of course, there's all kinds of other stuff, and the debate is fantastic. If you have 10 hours, i would listen to about six of it.
5: Why are we rushing to do this so Speaker Pelosi can catch a plane to Copenhagen? <laughs> We're spending $1.1 trillion on top of the six point seven trillion that this liberal majority has already spent this year that means in the course of twelve months this liberal majority in congress has already spent in this house nearly eight trillion dollars in twelve months it's unprecedented it is unsupportable it will bankrupt this nation and crush our children under a burden of debt that they cannot possibly repay Without crushing tax burdens and massive sacrifices, we may be the first generation in American history that leaves our children worse off than we uh, in, than, than, than the world we inherited from our parents it 's just unacceptable and outrageous and As uh, my, my colleague, Representative Brian Baird and I, Madam Speaker, introduced legislation earlier this year to require the House to lay these bills out, every bill, for at least 72 hours before they can be voted on on the floor. And I just would ask the Speaker a simple question. What's more important, giving the American people time to read these bills, to give the members of Congress time to read these bills, or to catch an airplane to a global warming conference? That's... Really, what's going on here today? And so, of course, uh, I Googled that, and uh, lo and behold, and of course this is
0: also in the show notes, U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi will lead a 21-member congressional delegation to the United Nations-sponsored meeting in Copenhagen. And she says, oh, yes, you got to love it. We see Copenhagen as a meeting about job creation jobs jobs
6: jobs and jobs let's vote for jobs yeah!
0: jobs 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 Arbeit, Arbeit, Arbeit. do you hear that what's happening do you hear the whole world using this jobs meme do you hear that listeners it's how we move forward to create millions of clean energy jobs and new technologies to keep america number one so, there you have it. Our, uh, and of course the way it's supposed to work is yes, that was the whole deal is we get to read it. Uh, people like, uh, John and I read this stuff. And then, uh, you get to comment on it. You can call your representatives. This is what these people aren't just like. They didn't come out of the poop. You know, they're representatives. They're elected. You're supposed to be able to talk to them and, and, uh, and if you want, even lobby them. That's, uh, that's allowed. Um and have input before they go in, and now they're essentially voting blind.
1: Just I wonder if uh, Pelosi flew in that 767 that she required the Air Force to provide for her.
0: I don't think it's big enough. I think she had to get a 747 because a 767, I don't know if it can make the trek in one go. Well, actually from DC. Oh, yeah, yeah it can. It no, can. no problem. Yeah. Yeah, from the ER can. can, for sure. Yeah. No, you're right. It can. It can. So, you know, that's, that's the government at work, and... Uh, you know, you should, if, it's it's so unfortunate because the resources are all there. You know, C-SPAN is there. You you can hear this in real time. I did a little informal poll at the office today, uh, yesterday, and it was, uh, we had Another
1: this, poll from the office. Yes, we
0: need a jingle. And so these are, you know, young kids, but, you know, in their mid-20s, uh, some in the, just about to hit 30. And I said, uh, you know, we have a little production meeting. I say, hey, um, who here knows about Copenhagen? One person. The other was one's that. Oh, uh, Amy. And I said, oh. "So what do you know about it?" Well, there's something about some global warming thing going on over there. And she gets her news from uh, she said, "I I I watch headline news. I get 20 minutes everything I need in in the morning." Oops.
3: In the morning.
0: <laughs> and then I'm good, and I'm good to go. And the other ones had never even heard of anything going on in Copenhagen. So what's worse is not, so these people are not, not, not being indoctrinated. The ones that, that, the, the 20, 20% in the room, that's one person who did know about what's going on, got it from CNN headline news in a 20 minute nugget. Of course, she knew everything about Tiger Woods and everything about the White House party crashers. And oh, yeah. and don't even bring up Balloon Boy. By the way, he would have been great for Time Magazine's person of the year. That would have been a perfect one, Balloon Boy. <laughs> uh you know, and 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 it, it saddens me. And so she did give me a good uh a good tip though, and this is something that won't well, you know when we get the stream rocking and somewhere in uh in the new year, which uh which is the entire plan when you know I quit my day job. Um he said, can you just give me, I'm, I said, can you give me in five minutes what's going on? And I said, okay, here's what's happening. Copenhagen is a setup that Al Gore participated in. Global warming is not true. It was made so that they can uh, put in global rules, global, global governance, and eventually will lead to, um, the male steriliza- sterilization pill so that you cannot have more than you know one child if any children at all to reduce the population and have total control over you she said oh cool thanks okay could you just do that every single day cuz i'd listen to that <laughs> <laughs> a, a good buddy of mine. Uh, I'll put a link in in uh, the show notes to his blog. <laughs> I like that. He he had a, he wrote a great blog post. He said I'm setting up uh, just like the carbon credits uh, exchange that Al Gore has. He says I'm setting up a child exchange, so we can have child credits. So we so you can so actually, that's a great idea. Yeah, you can sell your birthright. So if you're if you're a woman of, of birth yielding age or younger, we could you could give this uh, for your 13th birthday, like your bat mitzvah. You know, here you go. If you decide not to have children, then you can sell that credit to people who do want to have more than one child. It's, it's a great idea, John. We could be gazillionaires.
1: We, we need to set up the exchange to do this. Yes. Like Al Gore did. We have to see what Gore did for his climate exchange system. And we can just copy it.
0: So meanwhile, the the whole argument there in Copenhagen is, it's it's been shifted craftily so, because uh, of course there are hundreds of thousands of people are protesting and uh, people are getting arrested and even the Danish are going like, dude, you know this is this is pretty extreme. you you've, you've uh, uh, implemented- of course nobody's reporting on the, no, any of
1: this no, correctly, why
0: would you? You've implemented draconian laws to uh, basically stop people from protesting, but they—they they want this. They do want the protesting to take place because the protesters are protesting the wrong thing. They think they think they're protesting cap and trade because it doesn't actually solve the problem. Uh, what they should be protesting is the entire lie. And the fact that this is about ushering in a one-world government and to have less people on Earth, which I would assert also has not been proven as the solution, even though China thinks it's a good idea. And this was that crazy woman from Canada who um, who writes about it. Uh, she, she's a former reporter. I don't
1: know what you're talking about.
0: Oh, I'll have to look that up. She's uh, who, by the way, has two children herself. She's saying, "Oh, no! Everyone should have ever no more than one child," but she has two. Uh, you know, the
1: funny thing is, this—the only idiots that would adopt this policy are just going to be swamped under by the, you know, uh, the poorest people in the world who have who use children as a as a form of entertainment. They have, you know, some of them six, seven, eight, nine kids. You know, they need them to help. You know, it's cheap labor. Form
0: of, hey, kid, dance, monkey boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make your daddy laugh, will you? Do something. Do something funny. <laughs> so I think we should seriously investigate that, John. We should, uh, the child credit uh, exchange. The CCE. Yeah, I, like it.
1: yeah, I think it's a. It's child a, credit exchange. CCE, yeah. Has a nice ring to it.
0: Yeah, doesn't it? <laughs>
1: Oi. Yeah. Well, we're at, we're on this topic of the uh, global warming debate, why don't you play the jingle, by the way, since we might as well... Oh, yeah, we it.
0: might as well open up the gate. Um, I'm sorry, I'm a little bit sore today. To the gate, to the gate, to the climate
3: gate.
0: Might actually be interesting to play this, because uh, I, I, I'm very aware of the uh, huge amount of listeners we have in uh, Gitmo Nation uh, East, known as Europe on uh, Newsnight, which is uh, is of course a, a a program that is deemed as journalistically outstanding uh, they had on I'm uh, trying to look for the uh, for the notes here uh, they had on some, it's almost irrelevant but listen to this guy who was talking about the climate gate emails and how he is changing the truth, maybe we just call it lying and then who he actually accuses of releasing this just in time for copenhagen listen to this oh hold on a second why did that happen that's not correct here we go
3: exaggerated it
7: sounds like things have been held back from the public and this sense of distrust has me
2: concerned and by the way that is exactly the object that the hackers had in getting into the emails. Remember that these emails go back to 1998, so they've been accumulating them.
0: So that's lie number one. Where this is just technically dumb to say this. So they've been doing this since 1998. They've been saving them, waiting to release them. This is horse crap. Of course it is, dude. It's like they just got the archive. It's like people save their emails. You know,
1: you're supposed to. So the guy, okay, so the guy is either nobody's talking about her. He's just an out and out liar.
2: Yeah. Well, let's listen to the rest. And they've just released them in the week before Copenhagen. Yeah, but that doesn't take away from. No, no. Let me let me come to the fact.
0: (laughs) Let me come to the fact.
2: He says. (laughs) let me come to the fact I just wanted to this is is very important Uh, I'll look up in a second
7: I mean I recognize that the
2: strategy of these people who are hacking is important let me also make this allegation for the first time in public it's an extraordinarily sophisticated piece of work to hack into all of these emails and and mobile phone conversations right what agencies have got the sophistication to manage that I leave you to think about that. Yeah, I mean- All you agency? need is to
1: get to the root of the server.
0: It's incredibly sophisticated. It is um, Professor Sir David King, who is the United Kingdom's chief, who was the United Kingdom's chief scientific advisor between 2000 and 2007. And uh, he says mobile phone conversations. I mean, what the hell is that? I think what he's saying. Because you'll recall that there was a huge scandal in the United Kingdom where the um, uh, the gossip magazines had access to mobile phone conversations. You recall that?
1: Vaguely. Yeah, of course.
0: Is that what happens? Is that is that the first thing to go is the memory? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he, uh, he's talking about an Thank agency. Goodness. So is he asserting? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Is he asserting that it's news agencies or is he asserting that it's me? Maybe... He doesn't
1: say he's obviously just, he's just making some sort of blanket accusation that, you know, some sort of hacker, some cabal hackers, people against, you know, correct oil companies. I don't know. The guy is obviously, uh, uh, he sounds corrupt. The guy's creepy, his voice. Yeah. And, the, the and let me
0: just make this, let me just point out this fact. This fact I must point out.
1: So, meanwhile, of course, at the, uh, at the meeting, the, the colors of the global warming meeting, besides the fact that people can't get in and it's on, you know, it's just a mess over yeah, there.
0: Uh, people outside the global warming conference are freezing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> freezing.
0: freezing. I love
1: it. <laughs> Is that apparent? You, know, you can go to the blog, org slash blog and look this up, but Hugo Chavez comes out and he, he's there and he gives a, an anti-capitalist, anti-western speech that apparently gets a standing O. You know, essentially, goes after. I mean, he hates us, right? So he goes after us. Of course, you know, he has probably reason to because I think the the uh, jackals tried to kill him a couple of times, and he finally gave up on the uh, on the West. So he, anybody, goes after us, accuses us of doing all these bad things. It says capitalism is the problem. We need a socialist state, and the entire place goes berserk Yay! with a <laughs> standing. Oh, this, ladies and gentlemen, is what it's all about. They want to set up, you know, the equivalent of a caliphate a world socialist government run by guys like this would just steal money straight up without even having to... I mean... Forget the seventy-two hours of getting to read the bill, or even thirteen. There'll be no zero hours, and and I think it was the giveaway, and you start to see these guys now coming out of the woodwork because you know there's been some resistance by the West, especially the United States, about well, I don't know if we should sign this, and I don't know, you know, we'll, we'll let's, let's do it next year, and all this kind of stuff. These guys are getting impatient at trying to steal our money, and so now they're just coming after us with all kinds of vitriol.
0: Could you explain the word caliphate?
1: Yeah, caliphate is a uh, uh, is is essentially what the uh, the uh, Turkish Empire was uh, when when Muslims had essentially control of a huge area of the Middle East, Turkey, uh, parts of Russia, and the whole. It's it's essentially like an emperor, only it's run under Muslim law. And the caliphate is a uh, is the desire to have the entire world under one Muslim. leader, a sultan or whatever you want to call him, who would, who would use a Muslim authority to, uh, to rule us all in, in some kind and gentle way.
0: And that alone, my friends, is a $5 word you can use at the next cocktail party. Caliphate, C-L-A-F-A-T-E,
1: I believe it's spelled. It's got P H. Oh, it's been, C-A-L-I, C-A-L-I, Cali, uh, oh, F-A-T. uh, Cali
0: Fate, okay, wow, it's even better. And uh, that alone should be the price of admission that we believe you should pay for this program. Because so we this don't this is your transition, I take this it? This is my transition, because we're about 50 minutes into the show. Well, let me mention
1: a few names while we're at it.
0: Well, let uh, me... This, l- yeah, go ahead.
1: I wanna, We only got donations, except for our executive producer, from only three countries in the world. I find it fascinating. We got nothing from Australia, nothing from Canada. Our, all, our, all of our donations came from the United States, hmm. the United Kingdom, which is odd enough. We, and, the, and the Netherlands. And the Netherlands.
0: And the Netherlands, I have to say, I've received at least at least 10 different emails from uh producers slash listeners in the Netherlands who are and, and you know, I have a couple of Dutch links in the show notes, noagendashow.com, Curry dot com, dot org. Um they are, of course, in Dutch. You could do a Google translation. And people are, wow, they're awake. They're seeing it. I mean, the whole, because it's the same playbook. It's the exact same thing taking place in those countries. And they're switching on, they're tuning in, and they're yeah, No, they're the playbook is,
1: it's a fractal, So every country that's going through this process is having seen the same thing in different ways. Uh, I mean, although I do agree that the Netherlands is far out in front of everybody else.
0: Yeah, because they're going to get the the black box GPS installed in their cars uh, any day now. So yeah, they are. Which of course is happening here.
1: So let's mention a few people. Okay. First of all, John Petruccini, Larry, uh, Larry Corpy, and John Trainer are continuing their night uh, march to tonight. Them, but in the Netherlands, we've got uh, Youssef Tamayo. Uh, in Amsterdam, and he sent us a note, which I'm going to pass along to you because you need to hear this. Ready? Yeah. Please use an MP3 tag editor, MP3 tag, to change the cover picture type from other to front cover. Other is set by iTunes. This way, the great, in all caps, album art, which, by the way, is great, of the show will also be displayed properly on Nokia devices.
0: Wow. Okay. Uh, this is very typical because I use iTunes, um, to, so we record the show in raw AIFF, which is done for one reason only. That is, should something crash during the show, then I still have that show and I don't, I don't do a straight record to MP3 or anything. Then I, uh, transcode it down to MP3 and I use iTunes to, to essentially put in the cover art and there is no, um, there is no functionality to change it to cover, of course, because Apple has their own thing. They don't really play nicely. Using with the,
1: the, the MP3 tag oh, editor.
0: Yeah, uh, I'll do that. I'll see if I can do that for uh, for the show. Good suggestion. Thank you.
1: Uh, then, of course, we had Steven uh, Pelsmacher, who is uh, from our, Belgium. Yeah, our executive, producer. Person, and our he's, executive uh,
0: producer. He's always in the chat room. He's all over the place. Uh, okay, now
1: personally. we have $80 from Sander... Hoxbergen.
0: Hoxbergen?
1: Hoxbergen. Yes. And he he says he only given us the $80 to hear me pronounce Zandam again. (laughs) Good job. (laughs) Do
0: it a couple more times. Uh, Is that the right pronunciation or not? It's Zandam. Zandam. No, It's like Amsterdam, so Zandam. Zondum. Okay, but, but you have the inflection wrong. It's Zondum, not Zandum.
1: Zondum, not Zang. there you go. The Zondum. Yeah. Okay. Jeez. Inflection on the first. Yeah, it's uh, worth the eight of- bucks. He's on this. I don't want to say what address he's at, but I'll tell you, he's on a street, which I'll repeat. Uh, Pelican strat. Is that right? Pelican, street, the pelican
0: the street
1: of pelicans the pelican Strat. yeah correct pelican Strat. <laughs> all right this is brandon. this is why i do this show there's brandon no other Rowles. reason brandon rawls who i'm sure getting his name straight from pontiac michigan gave 50 daniel shimyo s-h-i-m-m-y-o in astoria uh... he didn't give us the, the required amount but he did give us uh... Twenty-two dollars and eighteen cents, which was left over in his PayPal account, and he mentioned he says he makes his he's, he's his side job, his hobby job is to is to do music and do CDs occasionally. And now he says that this show of ours is giving him impetus to do more CDs, and he'll give us the profits. Wow, that's or cool!
2: Some, well,
0: yeah. uh, send me a link to your store, and we'll put that in the show notes. We'll put the links links that rock. Fantastic!
1: Going to have to sit there and do some music. Uh... John Smith from parts unknown gave us a hundred dollars because he was so he was only going to give us fifty, but he was so annoyed with those Beckwith clips that we ran last week uh, from PBS that he gave us a hundred uh, <laughs> because he was annoyed by them. <laughs> yeah, he was annoyed. I think annoying people is only way to get any money. Uh, Andrew Green from London. Gave us $100 and one cent, a palindrome, which the British seem to be enamored with. And then finally, uh, our old friend Leon, Liam, Liam Hemmings from Buckinghamshire uh, gave us 150 I want to thank him. And that's it for this week.
0: So um, you can count in your head that's a not enough to have us go full time. We do not receive enough in donations. I know it's a tough time because it's Christmas. Uh, but please uh, do not forget your friendly Internet pronounced who are here watching hours of
1: C-SPAN doing <laughs> painfully doing
0: what the New York Times reporter. What does he make? One hundred and fifty thousand a year.
1: Uh, they're about one twenty five. Maybe
0: I'll settle. I'll take one twenty five. Uh, I'll take that.
1: Well, look at this other thing. Let me read you this little clip here from other... uh, This is just about from a Salon article. I found out that the Bill Gates Institute Foundation, the Bill Gates Foundation... The Bill Bill and Melinda Gates
0: Gates Foundation. Melinda.
1: Melinda. Melinda. They've been giving money to the Discovery Institute, which is that Seattle group that promotes uh, 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 creative design, creative, intelligent design. You know, they're they're anti... Anti, uh, Anti-creationism. Yeah, no, they're, no, no, they're anti-evolution. anti-evolution. Uh, sorry,
0: anti-evolution,
1: yeah. Right. So I'm just going to read the little thing here. Other foundations that have given money to Discovery also seem unsure whether the donations may tarnish their image. Still, all insist the money they gave to Discovery does not go to fund Discovery's intelligent design work. Alberto Canal, spokesman for the Verizon Foundation, says the five-year $74,000 grant the foundation made to Discovery in 2001 was earmarked for a lecture series. Uh, It goes on. The David and Lucille Packard Foundation gave $200,000 to the Discovery's Cascadia Center. And he goes, we're talking about the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, and we get like about $1,000 a week. So that's t- one of the I'm reasons I'm telling which- you,
0: there's got to be within... And our audience is big, and it's growing. There's got... You've, there's, it is we, impossible we, there's to believe... There's got to be a
1: patron out there's there. There's got to
0: so. be someone who is saying, you know what? Uh, I'm just going to set these guys up and let them go for a year, you know, and, and really help them. And we can stretch a dollar. You know, we can this is i have decided i decided many months ago this is my life's work i will, i really want to continue it I, I don't want to live in obamaville i don't know if you did you see that floating around? yeah in the that? obamaville thing.
1: i got in a bunch of trouble with that obamaville yeah, thing. I, by the way i want to remind people to go to dvorak.org slash na or no agenda show.com and click on one of the donation buttons and help us out it's highly appreciated and don't forget try to become an executive producer it'll pay off in the end yeah it will in fact, you, everything you give us will pay off you'll Get it back in good vibes,
0: and, and that's that's the pff, dude. That's the the law of the universe. If if you do good, then good comes back to you. Absolutely. Um, just to uh, just not to pat myself on the back or anything.
1: Oh, why not?
0: But uh, you know, people have scoffed and guffawed at uh, me in particular. But I think we both sign on to the. Uh, to the theory that uh, a lot of what is happening in Afghanistan, besides the general theory that uh, it is for the UNICAL uh, UNICAL, uh, pipeline, there's a lot of uh, big Gitmo Nation initiatives that make that very important. Uh, We're pretty sure that the troop surge was uh, sent just in the nick of time to help with the poppy harvest, seeing as, of course, uh, output production of uh, the raw materials for heroin from uh, Afghanistan is up 120% or is it 120% production level? I'm not sure uh, which one it is. And uh, I have said many times that because the only uh, type of organization in the world, or in America, that is allowed to send more than $10,000 internationally uh, are publicly listed companies. And I've been saying for a long time, ever since we started the show, that the drug money is slushed through to Wall Street because, you know, if I want to send ten thousand dollars, $10,001 overseas, then I have to go through all these hoops, I have to report it, you know, there's all kinds of the systems that kick in, particularly if you're sending it to the Netherlands, then, um, you know, then it goes through SWIFT and the U.S. can look at it and you get taxed on it and there's all kinds of huge, huge systems in place. But if you're a publicly listed company, a Wall Street company, and let's 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 face it, what are the big ones doing all the business? It's the banks. They're all listed publicly. You can buy shares in the banks. The United Nations, so those of you who believe that there's global warming, that means you believe in the United Nations. So that means you would have to believe this report that the UN Office on Drugs and Crime came out with, saying they have evidence that the proceeds of organized crime, in particular drug money, were the only liquid investment capital available to some banks on the brink of collapse and a majority of the $352 billion of drug profits were absorbed into the economic system as a result. Indeed. So there you have it.
1: Uh, we have a link to that article, I'm, I'm we
0: have, sure. There's two, I have a link to the, uh, the article in The Guardian that uh, reported on it, uh, hidden, of course. And... Uh, uh, there's also the, a link to the actual report, which is, uh, is worth reading. By the way, we read this stuff. People look at even the Bloomberg guy that I was having dinner with, you know, I was talking about the Lisbon treaty and, uh, I really went overboard with him and I said, you know, I read that you did what I said, yeah, dude, you know, it's not that hard except you have to find all the protocols and the subtext and everything. Cause it's all kind of pulled apart, but yeah, you know, it's just people writing it. You know, it's just lawyers, you know, I'm not impressed. You know, lawyers are just paid to speak a different language. We've got Google. You know, I've got a dictionary. I can look up words. I'm always inquisitive about a word means, what the intent is. You know, it's not that hard. You can do this. Oh, wow, really? And we do, and and so I, 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 and there's links. You can download the, um, the House appropriation bills, the four ones they were, they were debating. You know, it's right there. You can download it. It's it's okay. You know, it, go, scroll right down to the end. That's where the park is all included. Interesting, by the way, how they've put in uh, recipients of the cash. Uh, so the appropriations bill actually lists who the money's going to. So it's not even up for you know like a tender, like a you know like any for-profit company can bid on these oh, contracts. Oh yeah, just boom, no, it's, just, um, no, it, it's no. already in there. It's just yeah, boom,
1: in boom, there. Boom, 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 yeah. Crazy. All right, so let's uh, shift gears a little bit.
0: You, you, I mean, do you want to stop on on the climate gate because there were a couple of very important uh, pieces of news that came out. One included like what? well, Al Gore. Um, he uh, he did a little uh, closed conference, but it was for journalists in uh, Copenhagen as he flew his uh, G five up there, and he claimed. I can't believe you missed this, John. He claimed, uh oh I
1: about the about the the ice cap yeah, he says these figures are fresh, he said in his speech. oh he some, lies about a lot of the stuff.
0: Some of the models suggest there is a seventy five percent chance that the entire North right. Polar and I ice... jumped down let, the let 75%. me finish. let me finish. not everyone has a blog. <laughs> Some of, yes, the mo- no, some of the models yes, suggest that there's a 75% chance the entire North Polar ice cap during the summer months could be completely ice-free within five to seven years. Unfortunately, the scientist that Gore quoted the research from, Dr. wieslaw Malowski, uh, and I love the way uh, this is written in... I could, uh, let me see who, what publication is this, uh, T.G. Daily. Uh, rather pissed on his chips by stating... Mm-hmm. It's unclear to me how this figure was arrived at. I would never try to estimate likelihood of anything as exact as that. And Al Gore spokesman backpedaled furiously saying the figure quoted was merely a ballpark figure that was mentioned in a conversation he made it between. Up going along he probably had some images of like the polar yeah there he is standing yeah, the polar in front
1: ice of... cap there's a there's a distinctive cycle to, you know, because, oh what else could it be but global warming well maybe the Sun but there's a there's been a, a long-term cycle of the global uh, of the northern Arctic ice cap, specifically uh, of it melting completely. I mean, it's been tra- it's been navigated by the Chinese, like I think it was a thousand years ago. There's documentation for that, and it comes and goes. I mean, it's it's better by most people's standards that it that it goes rather than creates a, a, an ice age the other way, and. Um, when the Vikings came across, there was no ice up there. I mean, there was very little. I mean, there's, that's there's Viking, Greenland was named Greenland because it, it was a was green place. They exactly. Could plant. And, and
0: there's Viking, there's Viking villages they've discovered 70 feet under the ice. Yeah. In Greenland. <laughs> like, yeah. You yeah, know, like, uh, okay. Meanwhile, one of the, uh, the main, uh, climate change opponents live on Danish television got a heart attack.
1: Yeah, that was a weird one. I, we have that blog too. Yeah, some guy he was—he was a complainer. He was a, a denialist, and he's going on about something. Somebody came over and touched, touched him, him, and he dropped dead. Well, well, he had a heart attack.
0: Yeah, yeah well, and it was a frightening. And you know what? A heart attack. I thought normally, you, like people grab their arm or something. It looked like it was weird, man. It, was, it looked like he got an electric shock. It, it, that's exactly what it looked like. It was. Or like they'd switch the chip on, you know, it's like, hey, 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 over on screen 3042, hey, something's going on, zap him, zap him now, zap him, okay. It was pretty (laughs) screwy. Got him. We're safe. They got him off the stage. They drug him, and you haven't heard anything, you haven't heard any follow-up to that. You didn't even see that on mainstream television.
1: No. Lord Lord Moncton,
0: who kind of started off the public debate uh, by going out uh, and uh, making speeches, he... uh, went and interviewed some of the Greenpeace. Here's your, your left-right paradigm right here. <coughs> some of the Greenpeace protesters. Have you seen that clip, John? No. Oh, let's listen to a bit of it. He's inter- interviewing Greenpeace protesters. Well, it's very kind of you to come here and join our conference
7: today. May I ask why you have come?
3: I think I've already answered that question. I've just come because I'm an, well a member of Greenpeace. and right. um, We've heard that this conference is about um, people who negate climate change.
7: Right. Um, now, there has been climate change, hasn't there, for
0: four billion years?
3: <laughs>
0: well, you tell me. I'm young. Yeah. <laughs> here, here. So, so the, the point of this video, we'll play a couple more interviews, is all these people who were with Greenpeace protesting, who were sent by Greenpeace, don't actually know what's going on. They have no information they don't actually know the facts. Right. Ah, That's a good answer. Um,
7: That's a very good answer.
0: Uh, Can I ask you then,
7: if there's been climate change for four billion years, why are you against it now?
3: Because, well, over the last well, let's say over the last 80 years, climate change has been really, really accelerating and we have a big problem now and we need to act very, very eagerly. Right. Now,
7: the UN in its calculations shows that in all but the last 20 years, we could not have had any effect on the climate. It's a very recent effect that we might have had. So, given that there has been warming for 300 years and only and 280 years, we could not have made any difference. Are you saying that in the last 20 years we have suddenly done something that really changes the climate?
3: Well, if you look at glaciers, if you look at the polar at the, at the poles, and if you look at uh, weather changes, it's very no, very obvious. About
7: the, the poles, are you saying that there has been any unusual melting of ice at the poles? I think so. And how do you know that?
3: Because I'm reading reports, I'm hearing people talk.
7: And yeah, Al
0: Gore said so. Reading the press.
3: Have you
7: ever checked any of the data from the scientific institutions or in the learned literature directly?
3: Well, I have checked the reports from, for instance, the reports from Greenpeace because they they. Um...
7: And Greenpeace is a campaigning organisation, isn't it?
3: What do you mean by campaigning organisation?
7: Well, is it? not a weather bureau, is
3: it? No, of course
7: not. No, so. My question then is, why do you believe reports, whether from Greenpeace or anybody else, without having actually checked them.
3: I mean, I've seen it because I'm from Norway, actually. I'm from Norway, and I've seen glaciers 20 years ago, and they were much much bigger than they are now. And I see that fauna and flora is changing in Norway because of global warming. But this has
0: been happening for 4 billion years, as we agreed before. You will get changes sometimes (laughs) to... Boom. Locked in. So, you know, watch that entire clip. Moncton is great, man. He's out on the street. Doing this, he's just he's yeah. Just, no, he's a character. Oh my goodness, uh, I, you, you, Chapeau bas for this guy. I mean, that's just fantastic. Not not a lot of people who don't have to worry about shit in life, who are kind of set, would do this stuff. It just wouldn't.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's a uh, he, he's he's good. I mean, I've, everything I've heard from him has been very uh, very interesting.
0: And. Uh, yeah, you know, lots of other little reports here and there that uh, that you can read. Of course, it was funny to see that uh, that Prince Charles and Gordon Brown both went to Copenhagen, but they flew in their separate jets. They could you know, they could have made a little statement there. He was like, "Hey, right, we yeah, flying a together." I mean, who is running the PR for this? Like, come on, guys, this is an, this is a slam dunk?
1: Think it of- turns out that they because nobody cares, and everyone just believes whatever the PR people tell them to begin with that they can get away with this. I mean, it was only the reason that they stopped flying their jets. The General Motors flew you know flew a jet into Washington D.C. to to do testimony, and then somebody picked it up and made a big stink about it. And then uh because they hate General Motors and they hate capitalism, they hate big business. So they made a big stink about it. So the guys had to drive in on a bus the next time. But nobody is going to make a stink about these guys because everybody's already signed up for the global warming is going to kill us all. And, you know, we should you have one world government and all this. So sort of, nobody's going to say anything because it might d- detract.
0: The CIA uh, has come out. The CIA has a. uh a center for the study of climate change deeply embedded within the pentagon or wherever they are embedded uh and we did talk about this briefly that uh yes climate change is indeed a uh, it's a real concern to our uh, national security and uh, here's a quote from uh from one of the air marshals uh well initially uh the main problem we see is people will be fighting for food and shelter when the migration starts, remember, John, the big migration of 2010? Do you remember those days? Every state would want to stop the migrations from happening. Eventually, it would have to become a military conflict. Which other measures do you have to resolve your border issues? So there you go. We're all going to be starving and burning up, and we will have no food, and we're all going to be killing each other for food. That's the meme that is being spread.
1: Yeah, Well, that's a good one. So I think we can close this gate. Yeah, I think. We can. To the gate, to the gate, to the
3: climate gate.
1: The problem, of course, is that uh, the 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 pendulum is swinging in the other direction. So let's talk about <clears throat> some interesting. Uh, here, let me just read this. This is from June. I, I found this when I was doing some research. June in the Nation, which is an extremely progressive magazine. <clears throat> Uh, writing on the Atlantic's website, Scott Bland and Ronald Brownstein identified the emergence of what they dub the Democratic Industrial Complex. Yeah, I like that one. Energy and healthcare care companies, automakers, and banks all understand that the Democrats control much of their fate, so they've cast their lot with the majority party in a big way. John Kerry got less than 20% of the donations from electric utilities Barack, when he ran for president. Barack Obama, Obama got almost 60%. So far in the cycle, Democrats have captured two thirds of the donations from the health care industry. So let's play the clip uh, with Howard Dean.
6: As promised, we are joined now by Governor Howard Dean, former chairman of the Democratic National Committee and a 2004 candidate for the Democratic presidential nomination. Thank you for your time tonight, Governor. Thanks for having me on. Governor Dean, you have been on this cause of health care reform for decades. There has been no more energetic cheerleader for this legislative crusade this time around than you. You have reached the point now where the Senate bill, which is well on its way to becoming the Lieberman bill, is something you can no longer support and you want to kill it. Tell us why. Well, I don't I'm not gonna give up on health care reform. I'm still hopeful that uh, something will happen in the House, but it's not very likely because the conference committee could be vetoed by Uh, Joe, uh, and the other uh, pro-insurance company uh, uh, Democrats, when it comes back as well. So real reform in the House is a lot less likely, given what's happened in the Senate. This is not real reform. It's not health care reform. There are no choices. What the decision has been made, without really thinking about it, it's been made because people are exhausted and they want to pass a bill so desperately they're not thinking about what they're doing here. It's been made to commit the United States to health care reform through the private sector. Now, I don't think that decision should be made lightly. In the previous bills, the Medicare buy-in, the, the public option, had the choice of a mixture, of giving Americans the opportunity to make their own choices. Those choices have been taken away by the pro-insurance folks in the in the Senate. I, I think that's a mistake. Are there some good things in this bill? Yes. It's, this, is, this is basically the Mitt Romney bill in Massachusetts, except it doesn't insure as high a percentage of people. Uh, the exchanges work well, uh, although there's no cost control of any, of any substance. Uh, you're going to be forced to buy Health insurance from a company that's going to take, on average, 27% of your money so they can pay CEOs $20 million a year and so they can uh, have a return on equity in their shareholders. And there's no choice about that. If you don't buy that insurance, you're going to get get a fine. So, this is is a bill that was fundamentally written by staffers who were friendly to the insurance industry, held up uh, so that it was friendly to the insurance industry by senators who uh, take a lot of money from the insurance industry. And it is not health care reform. And I think it's too bad. It should come to this.
1: All right, that's enough. Okay. So he's turned on it. Interesting. Uh, the thing is and a kind of few others are, are trying to get the, the courage up although like this Nation article said the healthcare industry meaning mostly a couple of insurance companies that dominate uh, healthcare insurance uh, and HMOs have uh, been given all the money to the Democrats so the Democrats basically are uh, talking out of both sides of their mouth and they're not going to do this bill is going to be all this bill is going to do which is which makes it even more amusing is that if you don't have healthcare insurance which you've been complaining about now you're going to be Forced to buy it, and it it is running about you know twenty to thirty percent of somebody's annual income. It's expensive, yeah,
0: Yeah. and you'll be forced to buy it under threat of penalties and jail—actual
1: jail. So, really great job on by Obama and the boys. Yeah, good one.
0: There's one one thing I I should have mentioned this uh, when we were talking about donations, John, because uh, you know we often harp on uh, public broadcasting and, and NPR about uh, them taking money from large corporations such as Monsanto. So the Associated Press uh, reported on uh, Monsanto as confidential contracts deal. And these are the seed people, by the way. They make genetically modified seeds, in case you didn't know. Google them. There's plenty of uh, juice, Google juice about Monsanto. Uh, confidential contracts detailing Monsanto Company's business practices reveal how the world's biggest seed developer is squeezing competitors, controlling smaller seed companies, and protecting its dominance over the multi-billion dollar market for genetically altered crops. Uh, one follow-on article thats uh, that I'm not going to read, um, but uh, there is an admission now. Uh, Bayer uh, has admitted that uh, GMO contamination is out of control. They've admitted they've been unable to control the spread of its genetically engineered organisms despite best practices to stop contamination. That's what's been shown in all outdoor field trials. And so I thought, you know what? Why don't I just go to the NPR website and see if any of their programming um, talks about this uh, Monsanto story? Well what did you find, Adam? Well, gee, John, uh um, you know, they they on their website they do have a link to the AP story, but in all their programming, which let's face it, that's what NPR is about, is their programming. All I can find in the morning edition is Monsanto to buy a seed producer in deal worth one point four billion, uh Monsanto Nix's new biotech wheat, Monsanto sues dairy over milk ads. Um, oh, oh they, su- they sued another dairy over milk ads? Yeah. Let's go to PBS for a second. Let's see if PBS is reporting on Monsanto. A little search on their site. Um, let me see. Well, there's plenty of search results that talk about Monsanto underwriting the programs. But no, there's nothing about this, John. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. The on the news hour, which is heavily sponsored by Monsanto, ha- is not reporting on this at all.
1: That's weird because it's our national treasure.
0: Yeah, and you know, and they are, after all, sponsored by Monsanto. So you think that, have the inside track, they can just call up HQ and say, "Hey, guys, why don't you just give a little comment on this Monsanto story?" No, <laughs> they're not doing it because they're taking money from Monsanto. So they're not going to blow, blow one of their, well they are blowing them, but they're not going to blow up one of their biggest resources, one of their biggest sources of money, which is why we don't take advertisements, which is the only way this will work. So I just wanted to say that was kind of interesting. All of these search results and the stories are in the show notes, of course, at the unadvertisable
1: noagendashow.com. Yes, indeed. In fact, uh, it's, it's commendable. <laughs> so there's a story breaking. Uh, we're going to probably talk about it on the next show to more in more detail. But now the research is coming in that high fructose corn syrup is indeed hazardous to your health. You don't say. It screws up your liver and it makes you fat, and it causes all kinds of issues with all kinds of parts of your body. And and, it's just...
0: and I wonder, John, who makes high fructose corn syrup? I think it's Archer Daniels. Yes, it will be Archer Daniels Midland Company. Let's, yeah, and
1: don't they big-time uh, sponsors of NPR and PBS? Yeah, I
0: think they are. Maybe we should look at... Let me do, shall I do a little search and see if there's any story on uh, high-fructose corn syrup
1: on PBS, as an example? Well, you won't find anything there.
0: Oh, come on. Let me look. You might
1: find some stuff from the public relations department that has the same kind of... you know the, the, Basically, the meme that they've tried to put out there is... It's, all it is is just... You you know, a sucrose and the glucose hooked together in such a way that is very natural. I'm Even looking at refinery out of
0: corn. King corn, how sweet it is! The rise. Uh, king corn. Learn more. What is more dense? Yeast part two. No, John. This doesn't seem to be anything about high fructose corn syrup being dangerous to your health on all of the PBS uh, programming.
1: You know what the the mm. giveaway to the whole thing falling apart on the, with this with the terrible substance which is really pretty much only used in the United States where we you can almost track the obesity levels when it was first introduced to what it is today.
0: Ketchup is a huge source of it by the way. Ketchup.
1: Yeah, you have to buy the, you, you can buy Heinz at the Costco. At some Costcos you can buy Heinz organic ketchup. Which has no high fructose corn syrup in it, unlike all the other ketchups. Now,
0: It tastes like crap.
1: I do want to add no, that. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> it tastes, it tastes like exactly crap. the same.
0: Really, I'll have to try it. I think it tastes like
1: crap. Which is the no. Whole it problem. tastes exactly the same. There's no difference in the flavor. It actually tastes better.
0: I've always I've always thought that they make the, they they put crap taste in the organic stuff. No, no, no.
1: In this case, <laughs> here's the here's the kicker. You're not letting me get to the punchline. Sorry. I've run into this a lot. I've run into this with cereals that don't have a million additives in it. And I run into it with this stuff, this particular uh, product, this Heinz organic ketchup. It comes from Canada.
0: Oh, of course. They're so smart. We should move up why there. Why can't
1: we do it here? But no, no, it comes. To, so they have to bring it in from Canada because nobody around here wants to deal with the fact that, well, I don't know. Why should we bother? We need to move but, up there. But the kicker, the whole thing is PepsiCola just announced that they're dropping all HF. Uh, C.S. from all their sodas next year and that's the end of it.
0: Because it's bad for you.
1: Gee. Yeah, it's bad for you. But it will do some, people should start looking up some articles now. You can find it, they're still obscure, but these research reports are starting to come out. They're gonna, they're trying to be squashed as fast as they can. But go to, you know, type in high fructose corn syrup, hit the button, and then click on news and try to get the newer stories and you'll find a lot of this stuff.
0: So in our ever, never ending quest to avoid uh, two to the head ourselves, John. Be ready for uh, your out there sounds. Of course, after the uh, nuclear cruise missile attack on uh, on Denver, which I reported on, uh, seems like uh, they had a little uh, a little drill the other day, which was announced. Uh, this was uh, you know in case some kind of uh, missile would be sent into the United States, and there was an actual cruise missile explosion. This time over uh, Nebraska. In fact, uh, this happened uh, 9 p.m. local yesterday. It even the explosion even registered a 3.5 magnitude uh, on the on the earthquake uh, measurement systems. And, do you have uh, a link to this article. Yes, I do. And uh, it, the cruise missile uh, was shot, was uh, fired. It came over. Uh, what,
1: what 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 is a cruise missile doing flying over Nebraska?
0: It's on its way to Denver. This is the whole. This is the whole space wars that we're not aware of. The CIA Obama cabal, and they, and they blew it out of the uh, out of the sky, John, with a particle beam weapon. So they the fo- aliens
1: did. You're saying? No, no, no. The, uh, the no. The armed forces. Because it, I thought we were firing at, at Denver, which has now been taken over by aliens. Am I not getting the story straight? Yeah, I I, th- I, th- I think you're not. But
0: the, there's there's two there's multiple fractions in the armed forces. You know, it's not all like like everyone's on the same program. There, I guess the point of what I'm saying is there is absolutely a space war taking place. Um, I I now kind of have to believe that the beautiful circles we saw over um, uh, over Norway were probably part of a uh, like a conjugate wave device. So these are all, these are all weapons that have been militarized and are, and are being used right now. There is some shit going on that is far beyond what you and I can even comprehend because we've not ever been exposed to it. But it's taking place. It's happening. It's out there. It's up there. And, uh, also the tapes were released. I, um, I'm not going to play them for you, but the tapes of the Northwest Airlines Flight 188.
1: So oh, the sleeping pilots.
0: Wow. When I listened to the actual air traffic control tapes, these guys were not asleep. They were freaked out by something and they're not talking about it. I will put a link in the show notes to it. You just you can, and I've I have i have listened to pilots on the headsets, you know, I know how pilots talk and they're like, Yeah, we we got distracted by something here. I mean you just listen to me, like you're blown away by by what's going on. And 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 it's not like there wasn't calls going out to them continuously. They actually had other aircraft calling out to them trying to reach them. You know, so why no, no F-16s were scrambled is still a huge gaping hole in the story. And it's... Uh, and I think that they saw something up there they weren't supposed to.
1: Well, that's always a possibility. From my, my news item that I'm going to throw out, which is probably not quite as profound as that one... But it'll mine will
0: save our life, okay? So...
1: Police say two dogs fed on Nebraska owner's body. <laughs> and now, back to real news. <laughs> Yum. Two pugs, apparently some owner, some guy killed himself, shot himself, and he left the pugs to their own devices. And uh, the pugs ate him uh, over a two-week period. Nice. Now a more interesting story. There's another one. This is on the blog, which is Iraqi insurgents apparently have been hacking U.S. drones. At least they've been getting the video feeds. So these, so it turns out that you know these Predators, they fly over parts of Pakistan, Iraq, wherever, and they're uh, these are the they, drones. They, they, these are the drone aircraft. The drones, the unmanned flight things. They have a camera, and apparently they've managed to hack the video screen uh, stream using some Microsoft product. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and so they've been putting the streams, of, they found out about this because they got some, they busted some guy and took his laptop and they found all these recordings of the drone flight patterns. And wow. it turns out that when they designed these things, they never bothered to, to encrypt the video stream.
0: <laughs> You're kidding me. Is it like, oh, so the, 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 they've hacked into the video stream coming from the drone?
1: yeah and it, when it, when they hack into the actual drone itself and bomb us with it, I, I'm not sure, but yeah, so they, so now they can say, oh, they're coming over uh, Abdullah's house, get back inside just in case they see you Oh my God that's outrageous, yeah, totally, and apparently uh they just, it's whatever the software is that runs on these things it's it's going to be difficult to do install encryption, <laughs> which I find it's, hard it's, to it's
0: Windows media. <laughs> Running on NetSuite.
1: <laughs> it comes out half the time to get like a kind of a funny display with some animations on it.
0: So in the last two episodes, I reviewed for you uh, National Suicide, which I don't believe you've read yet, John, but I highly recommend it. Written by Martin L. Gross. Adam Curry, John, read a brand new book for you, or do a little movie review, so you don't... Yes, indeed. A new book, which uh, is not available on uh, Amazon, unfortunately, but which I, uh, I am going to grab a hold on is, uh, of, is called Crisis by Design, The Untold Story of the Global Financial Coup and What You Can Do
1: About It. What you can do about it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Can't do th- anything about it. I think it's put your head between your knees and kiss your ass goodbye. That would be it. So uh, I'm looking forward to receiving that book. And uh, this was a suggestion by one of our uh, producers, which uh, is uh, 450,000 strong and growing by now. Keep the numbers coming uh, and keep the donations coming. Noagendashow.com no and dvorak dot, dot org slash blog. Uh, NA, I'm sorry, slash NA. And, uh, what do you say, my I think, friend? I think we're out. Of, I think we're, we're done. Well, I mean,
1: in the show, oh, wait, I got one. I got one thing. That, one correction. Sure. On the last show, uh, the uh, Casper Toast character was a comic strip character created by H. T. Webster in 1924 for his cartoon series, The Timid Soul published in the new york world when the world folded in 1931 the timid soul moved to the new york Herald tribune where a sunday page was eventually added and i guess he was just referred to by uh sinclair or by uh yeah sinclair lewis and anyway it went on until 1952
0: another five dollar word you can use at cocktail parties to amaze your friends associates and pick up chicks
1: Yes, because of the popularity of Webster's character, the term milk toast, M I L Q U E T O A S T, came into general usage in American English to mean weak and ineffectual. And effeminate. A little bit. Meek, submissive.
0: (laughs) All right, uh, tons more in the show notes at noagendashow.com, curry.com, and dvorak.org slash blog. Coming to you from the minimum containment. Cell in the crackpot command center in gitmo nation west san francisco california i'm adam curry
1: and from northern silicon valley where it's sunny but it's supposed to be raining tomorrow or the next day or the day after that i'm john c Dvorak.
0: we'll see you again on sunday for the early service right here on no agenda